Craft Beer Radio, episode 260, on August 31st, 2013. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we are doing Oktoberfests, because, well, it's a little early, we know, but we figure this will give people a chance to have, you know, get our opinion on what's out there. Yeah, uh, usually... I go shopping for these kinds of beers or pumpkin beers, like mm-hmm. when it's time to drink them, and they're all long gone, especially the pumpkin beers. Um, so I went shopping for a beer club exchange at work uh, earlier this week, and you go to the it was a big beer club exchange. I actually had to buy seventeen cases of beer <laughs> for this thing, and um, I could have bought another ten cases of season, of Oktoberfest and pumpkins and harvest beers. I mean, it just yeah it is bountiful this time of year at late August. All the pumpkin beers are hitting their stride. Some of the early ones are still there. Most of them are coming in, you know, up until now. There might be a few latecomers that aren't out yet, but it's a good time to get your pumpkin beers. Yeah, I thought it was a little early to do a pumpkin show, but Oktoberfest show I can see. Where Especially since Oktoberfest is like September 16th or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So. so you know, we should go over two things. First of all, we're not, we don't, we've said before we don't like doing style verticals as much anymore, especially with IPAs. We but, don't like IPA style verticals. Yeah, but, but with, with the, with these beers, with the uh, marks and styles, I think you can do it and you can sort of, you can, to, you can tune into what you want to expect. But because we're doing a, a style vertical for a style that has, it has variances, but it has a pretty particular guide to it. We should mm-hmm. read from the BJCP guidebook in 2008 for the Oktoberfest. Uh, so what the guide says is the aroma should be rich German malt aroma from Vienna and or Munich malt, a light to moderate toasted malt aroma often present, clean lager aroma, no fruity esters or diacetyl, no hop aroma, and caramel aroma is inappropriate. So you might think that uh, you know I, I I like a more caramelly uh, Martin, but that's not or that's not on style. Mm-hmm. The flavor should have initial malty sweetness, a finish moderately dry, complex and distinctive maltiness often includes toasted aspect, hop bitterness is moderate, noble hop flavor is low to none, balance toward malt, the finish is not sweet. Noticeable caramel or roasted flavors, again, are inappropriate. So you're looking for a clean lager character, no diastole, fruity esters, and sort of a toasted aspect with a bit of, bit, with a bit of hot bitterness without a lot of twang to it. Mm-hmm. They have an overall impression section, too. That's probably been a good thing to skip to. <laughs> uh, smooth, clean, rather rich with depth in depth of character. Depth of- smooth, clean, and rather rich with a depth of malt character. This is one of the classic multi styles with maltiness that is often described as soft, complex, and elegant, but never cloying. There's a bit of marketing speak thrown in there, huh? Yeah. Um, I like the comments here. Domestic German versions tend to be a golden, like strong pills dominated Hellas, where export ones tend to be orange or amber in color and have a distinctive toasty malt character. So what we should also get into, and maybe you know, I, I don't know as much about this as you do, but where the whole Oktoberfest festival and the idea of making this particular style of beer comes from the Oktoberfest festival i won't get all the details right so i'll be vague <laughs> it it's the 
wedding of a king or a prince or something, and they started celebrating it again every year or something. That That's the basic gist of why they do Oktoberfest. Style of beer, it's actually, if you scroll down a little bit more, there's a history section, and it describes that, you know, traditionally you couldn't make beer in the summer. It was too hot to make beer. Uh-huh. Um, so these festival beers were typically the last beers made in the spring and then cellared in caves throughout the summer and brought out for I the see. harvest festivals and things like that. So there you go. So this this particular beer doesn't have as rich a history. It says 1840 or so. So not as as rich a history as the IPA, but it's uh, it has a, a unique and interesting one. The color is oh, this one we're having. Which one is it? This is the Spaten Oktoberfest, which we also had in the pre-show. I think it's a good idea to do this first because it's the only one that we have. It's in a green bottle, and you always have to be wary with green bottles. Yeah, as I talked on the pre-show, we bought the whole case. Case didn't even have handle holes, so it was sealed up tight. So not much room for light infiltration. So yeah. pretty good shape for this one. So the color is a medium brown, a kind of a, a, a dark, well, a not quite super dark tea. Yeah, if you hold it up to the light, it's, uh, it changes <laughs> how dark it is. You hold it to the light, yeah. it, it looks like a, a burnt orange, but if you hold it down at like eye level, it looks a lot darker. It looks like Greg said a tear or something like that. Very clean. Uh, yeah, super no, clear. Yeah, very incredible clarity. Toasty aroma. A little bit of Pilsner malt aroma, a little bit of that vegetableiness, just touching the Kind of like a roasted corn. Yeah. Like a roasted corn cob. Now, we had this already. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we didn't talk about it much in the pre-show. Oktoberfests are, they they can be, I mean, they're meant to be just drank and drank and drank, right? They're meant to be a really easy drinker. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you don't have things like cloying sweetness, and you don't have things like overwhelming hot presence. Being an, the, the problem with being an easy drinker is that it glides past the taste buds pretty quickly without leaving much of an impression. That's kind of the whole point mm-hmm. it's crisp and clean but it doesn't linger and doesn't leave behind as much to talk about as other beers so these beers are, are never going to be your most complex pieces mm-hmm. uh, unless they're wildly off style yeah so in, in tasting this one um multi sweetness it's not quite the white bread crust we talk about a lot it's mm-hmm. a little more rustic than that a little more, it's hard to describe. A little biscuity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess biscuit would be the way to put it, yeah. I it's can got taste. a little bit of that sort of self-rising flower taste. It's got... Yeah. Um, One thing I can taste in this is what we used to call the lager twang, right? The tinniness, like, it doesn't put me off like it used to years and years ago. But I can taste it in this beer. I'm like, oh, that's what I used to really not like. Let me talk about that a little bit and take another sip here. Yeah, so as you drink it, mid to late flavor, and then in the aftertaste, it kind of like leaves this like dry, a little bit chalky 
slightly metallic. Slightly metallic um, taste on your tongue. And, you know, I've become accustomed to it enough that it doesn't... It's not the nails on a chalkboard it used to be. But I can still taste it here. And it's just something I've become accustomed to. But yeah, for the longest time, I just did not like that aspect of it. Yeah. Now, I really think that that particular flavor comes... I, I don't know whether this is for certain. This is a, sort of an opinion, somewhat informed opinion. I think that particular flavor comes from the yeast. Uh, you know, you don't notice that kind of interaction even when you put these sort of malts or these sort of hops into ales. But you you get this kind of finish that I think comes from, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the lager yeast is doing differently than the ale yeast. Well, what they are doing mostly is not putting esters into the beer. Right. So you're tasting more of the malt from the Pilsner malt. Excuse me. No, and just how, you know, potentially how the the roasted, you know, Munich Vienna malts are playing with the continental hops, things like that. I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, um, and exactly which components that is and is not. It, it's it's. I was never really able to place it. I was happy when I could start drinking Oktoberfests and you know Sam Adams Boston Lager. And whatnot, not not having this flavor, you know, like I say, be fingernails on a chalkboard. And um, this one, it's definitely more apparent in this beer than I notice in Boston Lager anymore. Now, I keep I keep confusing these. Kolsch's are. Kochas use ale yeast in their cold condition condition and lagered. And the California Commons uses a lager yeast to make an ale. And it's fermented warm. So the question is... Well, it uses uses a lager yeast that has been bred to ferment at warm temperatures. It's not like they go back to Germany and get some fresh, clean lager yeast every single time and and ferment it warm. Now, this is... uh, guy that, you know, has been brainwashed into fermenting warm and, you know, and has become its own thing, so. But the, I think since it's related to that, the question is, in the California Commons, do you notice a twang? And if so, that might give credence to the yeast theory. Uh, it, it, you're... I should say yeast conjecture. <laughs> yeast conjecture. I mean, because there are s- some flavors that the yeast give off, right? It, but mm-hmm. it, it, in generally, it's much, much cleaner than an ale. Mm-hmm. But they do give off some, you know, some, some phenols, you know, maybe yeah, an ester here a little more there. spicy. Um, it could be, because I have not had a, you know, wide swath of California commons, and oftentimes I've had not very fresh anchor steam, mm-hmm. and uh, I really would prefer not to comment, because I don't think I've had enough good California Commons to know exactly what they should taste like. Fair enough. So, the Spaten is, um... It, it's crisp and clean. It, it has... It has a little... I, I think it, I think I'm tasting a little diacetyl in there. Diacetyl can, tends to come off as butterscotch. Mm-hmm. I thought I noticed a little touch of that, too. Uh, which is a little off-style. Um... I think 
I think it's fine. I think that though in in this particular one, which is pretty, it's a, it's a nice easy drinker. Uh, it's it's pretty devoid of, of of like I said, very complex flavors. The di- the diacetyl, the little bit of butterscotch makes it a little bit mm, just slightly in towards cloying, so not really perfect. Uh, it, it it might be the the long trip from Germany mm-hmm. to get to here right. that caused it. It might be you know something with the green bottles. Who knows? Also, the water um, might play in some of these um actually this chalkiness and the tinniness could definitely come from the water they mentioned here that the water is uh, alkaline water with a significant carbonate comment content for the spotten or for uh, uh, just traditional oktoberfest water in general hmm. all right so let's move on to the victory why don't we do victory uh, sure we can I was trying to figure out which one would probably be another authentic one. I think Victory is as good as any. I, seem to, I seem to recall Victory being a little hoppier, but but we'll see. So this is malted with imported two-row Vienna and Munich German malts. It has hopped with a f- whole flower German hops. They don't say which kind, but I'm guessing Zotz. Five point no, si- something like Hellertau. Hellertau, yeah. Zotz isn't really a German yeah, hop. Yeah. Um, ABV, uh, 5.6%. Yeah, see, it definitely smells hoppy, right? That's the first thing I get is it has a really big hoppy aroma. It has a different type of hop aroma than IPA. I mean, because, Mm -hmm. like you said, the Hill and Tau hops, they're they're more of a continental style, so... And the the roastiness, the... Not the roasty, but the the malt, uh, the Vienna character, you know, that breadiness is... You can just smell that it's going to be much more potent. You know, it just smells like... It, it it smells like it like like this. It has like more if the last one was like a biscuit, this one's going to be like a cake. You know that mm. kind of thing. Just in the density and the richness, yeah. not really in the you know not cake flavor, or but at least like a soft cookie. And the hop with the malt, it's it's slightly the aroma. Mm-hmm. It, it's slightly cheesy almost. I I smelled a bit of cheese. When I took a first sniff, too, I was thinking like a, a bit of a washed rind cheese or yeah, something like bit, that. Yeah, a little bit of a Parmesan or something. Mm-hmm. There's slight nuttiness in there, too, so it kind of... Yeah. When I took my sip, it it's definitely supercharged a lot of the same flavors that were in the Spaten, but mm. like they're just cranked up to 11. I mean, this is... You mentioned, you know, you mentioned how it had a tea color. The previous beer, this almost has like a barley tea type flavor to it. You know, like there's just, a little bit of that. It just feels like it's so saturated with with flavor. And if you look at the color, the color is more towards an orange reddish than the Spaten was. It's lighter was, in color, you know, which was more tannish. It almost has that body and that saturated malt flavor that if I was, I I would like to think if I was going into this blind, I might think, is this an Imperial Oktoberfest style or something? I would know it was, had to be an American beer, right? Just from the saturation of flavor. But I I would almost wonder that it's so malty that 
I would wonder if it was a high gravity beer, higher in alcohol, and I'm not tasting the booziness just because the malt flavor is so potent. I would think this would be someone trying to brew an imperial Oktoberfest. Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting that it, there's this perception that, you know, Americans just turn the hops up to 11, but they also turn the malt up to 11, too. The American style well, is, is really, this you one, know, yeah. Yeah. throw, you know, as much flavor in, into the bag. It's funny. I was surprised to see on the BJCP thing at the bottom, they put um, commercial examples. So judges can taste the beers that are listed there and mm-hmm. and learn what is, you know, acceptable for the style. And I was surprised to see this one listed because I remembered this one being very, the hoppiest Oktoberfest I've ever had by far. And, you know, tasting it now, it's also... Such a potent, saturated malt flavor, too. Yeah, I don't think it comes across as particularly like overly hoppy or bitter mm-hmm. or anything like that. No, it actually it is it's balanced, but it does have extra hops and it's mm-hmm. balanced with extra malt. So it, it's yeah, it, it does like you say. I think it, yeah. it comes across imperial. It comes yeah. across as, as from my recollection. Up. It seems I don't remember such a good balance. I remember the hops being mm-hmm. way ahead and out there, uh, and this has a better balance. Um, my recollection was faulty and my palate may have changed. Or they've changed their recipe. And they might have tweaked the beer, too. Hmm. And I, and I you were talking about how Oktoberfests kind of glide past the palate. You know, yeah. just a drinker. This is one you can sit down and kind of think about. You know, this one has enough enough flavors in there. You can kind of, like, notice if they're changing, if you're getting more out, sip after sip or not. You know, things like that. But it's still a very easy drinker. And that, you know... Th- we should say that cheesiness has gone away. Yeah. Well, the cheesiness is only in the aroma. Yeah, I don't get it anymore. I mean, but, you know, you, we threw that out there. And some people are going to be like, ooh, <laughs> cheesy October. Yeah, I don't, I don't smell... Yeah, I don't smell the cheese anymore. I'm mostly just smelling the malt. We haven't even actually really described them all yet. It's we said it was you know bigger. It, it's a little bit of uh, you know croutony maybe. It's sort of along those lines. Toasted bread. There's that. There's something like a, take like a a French bread or something and grill it. You know, and grill like. So you know, it's it's kind of not yeah, burned, but yeah. pretty dark. You know, you're getting the, like toast tips or something like that. Yeah. So, so let's take a combination of the two. So, like, let's get a, like a stale French or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of grill that a little bit and put a. I don't know. Give it you know to sweeten that up a little bit. You know, put a little. I, I can't think of anything that would be equivalent to you know top it with or whatnot, but you know it needs to yeah, be a little, the, the, little more. It needs to have a, there's a little more character than just yeah. toast. There there's a sweetness yeah. there too, and that really you can't get from you can't just sprinkle sugar on it. You might yeah. be able to do a little Make bit a of malt jelly, right? I mean, <laughs> maybe a little bit of brown sugar because because of a molasses component, but yeah. still, it's not going to be the same. It's hard to to get at what yeah. exactly the sweetness, what the sweetness is. It's it's kind of, you know, yeah, it's kind of like a you know a, a cookie made with brown sugar. Did you say the malts? Was it Munich, Vienna? Yeah, uh, two row Vienna and Munich. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is 
for those who are familiar with the Vienna and the Munich flavors, you know, usually we talk about it having that crust of white bread type flavor. But because it's so saturated in here, it has that imperial character, and it doesn't really come across the same way. It comes across, you know, we're trying to describe that. And yeah, like sprinkle some kind of multi sweet something on there, right? Because any kind of sugar, any kind of just sucrose sweet isn't going to take you in the right direction. And and saying, you know, make a a malt extract syrup and kind of spread that on there, that's cheating because that's exactly what it is. That's not a different flavor. So it's like, how do you describe that? The thing that keeps coming to my mind is, is cookie. And, and not just a regular cookie, but so you know those those cookies that are kind of like brownies? They're it's it's like a chocolate okay. chip cookie, but mm-hmm. you know it's like sort of a square and it's soft, and that just keeps coming to my mind. That mm-hmm. keeps appearing as I try to to figure out the malt here. So I think that it's not the full flavor oh, no, of the here, cookie, here. but it, it's it's the after flavor. Whoa, I think they're called. Oh no, are they macaroons? The coconut cookies, little cookies that are like have the coconut in it. Mm-hmm. And on the bottom, you know, they're more brown because they're baked on a cookie sheet. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The yeah. bottom of those cookies. Right. The bottom. Or if you over if you overcook cookies, you get that bottom part. Yeah. But those coconut cookies, uh, are they mac- they're not macaroons. I think, uh, you, I think they might be. Are I they? haven't had them in a okay. while. But, yeah. Yeah. Th- Take some of those flavors, and that's the that's the best I got. I'm that, done after that's that. That's actually I, I I really like that a lot. It's, um, yeah, the re I think that's why cookie keeps keeps coming into my mind because I've had burnt cookies <laughs> in the past, right? And some of that, you know, you know, if you once you remove the soot and stuff, there's a over you know, it's over caramelized mm-hmm. for cookie, but it it works in the beer, right? All right, well, let's move on. Uh, let's do one I haven't had before. Let's do this one. The Blue Point Brewing Oktoberfest. Long Island, New York. So, 1.060 OG, 28 IBUs, 5.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, we call that the 1060. The 1060. Uh, it's stored cold for two months. So they do the whole spiel with it. This, the color is more of a, you know, the German style colors. It's lighter, it's a, golden, it's a, it's a solid orange. orange. Solid yeah. orange, I'd call it. There you go. It definitely is a lighter color than, than the other two. All the beers so far have been filtered in super duper clear. Okay. Well, hard to get some aroma off of this one. And one thing I, I appreciate about doing lager shows is that we don't have to let the beer warm. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We should mention that. You know, lagers typically have a colder drinking temperature. We generally find we like our ales probably even warmer than you know, what is written on most ale serving things, you know, we're talking about 58, 60, you know, that's where we find they open up. We really like them, 
Uh, but yeah, these ones probably drinking it closer to fifty. Maybe even a little colder. Yeah, I think we're we're, we're hitting about forty five or so with these. You know, coming right out of the fridge. The fridge is not super cold, but it's cold I should get enough. an infrared thermometer. <laughs> really should that'd be fun shoot all the beers pew 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 more pew pew listen to the pre-show if you want to hear our pew pew discussion oh we had a great talk about the blasters and the oh it's just so good if you if you <laughs> if you want to hear two geeks geek out about blasters go listen to the pre-show right. so the only problem with that is that warm allows uh aromas to open up more. right and so it's a little bit harder to get them out of the cold beer. The first sniff I took on this one, I was getting something a little bit maybe sulfury, a little bit stinky. I gave it a quick swirl. I can't find it anymore. So it was just a quick volatile that went off the beer right away. Now I'm smelling... Uh, yeah, you know, I'm selling beer, man. <laughs> I kind of blanked down trying to figure out how I want to say it. It just has that, uh, you know, that, that toasty, malty aroma. Not too much, like, pills, you know, not any kind of yeah. cooked corn or anything like that. Maybe I'm getting a touch of hops in there. I think I'm smelling a bit of hops, a little bit of Hallertau or something along those lines. A continental hop, a little spicy. Um, it's really the first time I've smelled a distinct hop aroma. Well, other than the, the victory, you can smell it, but um, this one doesn't smell like an imperial anything. I mean, these are going to be very similar, so the the differences between smells, at least, are, are going to be much harder to pull out than you know. Other Give me a little floral aroma now, too, a little chrysanthemum or something like that. Hmm. It's a very creamy mouthfeel or something, right? Yeah, it, it it struck me as less uh, less than <laughs> what's what's the word I'm looking for? Not quite what I wanted out of it. It's beer. almost like there's a touch of oats in there. Hmm. I mean, mouthfeel wise, right? And sweetness, like there's a sweetness to the beer. And a, and a creamy mouthfeel. It's almost like there's a touch of oats. Yeah, it strikes me as less than optimal. It actually strikes me as, as, as being closer to a Hellas than a Martin. It, it's a little cloying in its sweetness. And does and and the... And, Hellas? Or are you thinking like a Bach? No, I'm thinking a Hellas. Yeah. Okay. And... It you know it lingers it lingers mm-hmm. on the tongue longer than the other ones have. It's kind of neat. I'm not sure you know we've been referring back to the BJCP thing right. Mm-hmm. So it might you know it depends on the flight. It might get a little knocked for for not being dry finishing dry like that. But you know I'm going to kind of not be a BJCP judge right now. I'm just going to be talking about the beer in the glass and and it's kind of neat. It has a obviously there's no oats in it. It's clear. You can't make a oated beer that's clear as far as I know. I'm pretty sure that puts a haze in there. Um, write us if I'm wrong on that one. Um, but I, I, Dump a ton of Irish moss in there. <laughs> hope for the best. <laughs> um, what's that clear firm stuff over there that takes the gluten out of the beer or whatever? You know, <laughs> drop some of that in there too. Um, the mouthfeel, it almost... 
I don't know. It, it, it's slightly reminiscent of a nitro beer, the creaminess, but just slightly because it doesn't have that. Um, it's got pretty zingy carbonation. I, I, okay. I would totally you, you, disagree with so you. You, on you that. don't think it's it's a creamy mouthfeel or anything? No, no? I, I, I think that there's there's a bit of a kind of cream ale-ish kind of thing going on, but I don't think that it it gives the same mouthfeel of a nitro beer. I don't particularly like nitro beers. Yeah, I, I usually washes it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, you know, this tastes like what I wish a, quote, cream ale would taste like. Because mm-hmm. cream ales generally suck. <laughs> yes. And I remember as a kid, like, hearing about Genesee cream ale. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And then I remember when I actually had a Genesee cream ale. Yeah, we, I brought it on the show, I remember. Like, I'm not sure if that was the first time, but I remember having it, like... Oh, 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 that's that's not good. And if cream ales tasted like this, I could see why people would want to drink them. Well, Anderson Valley makes their base of crema. And that's okay. It, it's more based it's, on yeah. a... Um, Meritzen again. You know, yeah. a, a Mexican-German... You know, a lot of Germans settled in Mexico, so it was actually, you know, like Negro Modelo, you know, it was a German-style beer, you know. And uh, so it's based kind of on that. And, uh, but it, yeah, it has a bit of a cream soda, not cream ale, but cream soda mm-hmm. type character to it. I haven't had that in a few years. I should look that, look that up again. I haven't had any Anderson Valley in a few years, I don't think. Wow, really? I mean, it's been a while. I, I they kind of no for no for no particular reason have they not been in my belly. It's just bad luck. I'm like I haven't had an Anderson Valley in quite a while. I have to look them up, reacquaint myself. So where is this malt coming at you from? Because I'm kind of getting confused. My palate is already starting to be like, what's going on? The um. It's a blend of, of the same things we've been talking about. The last sip I just took had more of the Pilsner than than the previous ones. You know, my tongue was tasting more of the, the toastiness, you know, of the Vienna, uh, the Munich-type malts. But the, now it just got a little bit paler, a little bit, um, you know, spicier. It almost... I hesitate to say this because it, it it has too many other things that are not what I'm talking about, but it had a bit of a Kolsch flavor in the last sip, but just on the malt part, uh, I, I hesitate because it doesn't have the grapiness, it doesn't have that mm-hmm. vinous character. So there was a lot of things in Kolsch that it didn't have, but that sip just reminded me of a Kolsch. Hmm. Yeah, this just tastes sweeter and a little bit more cloying than I would normally want to have an Oktoberfest. I, I like a more malty Do they talk about the yeast? Because they talked about how they cold-aged it or something. I'm wondering if the way that was worded, if they did brew this with an ale, yeast, or something like that. Um, 
They, you know, they they just say that it, it's it's a lager stored in cold cold for two months. Okay. To oh, ensure so its distinct smooth flavor, I left that mark on oh, this week off. Distinct. Do you want to uh, turn up the sound? I can do that. Boom, 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 support craft beer radio. So if you'd like to support us. That's a little too loud. Pull that one down a little bit. If you'd like to support us. There, you know the ways by now. Uh, you can donate if you want to via PayPal, uh, but you can, or, or you can go to our site and do a couple of the various support referral links. Referral yes. links, yeah. But but the one that I think that everyone really we we want everyone to use as much as possible, and everyone Amazon. loves to use absolutely is to go shopping on Amazon. But do not go to Amazon.com. No, never ever go to Amazon.com. Not directly. Where you want to go is to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And then just shop away. Shop and shop and shop. Spend all your money. And we'll just get a little cut of that. It doesn't cost you anything more. It comes out of Amazon's pocket. And really, Jeff Bezos has enough money. He just bought the Washington Post. Washington Post. You know, you don't. So make sure you don't go to Amazon.com because Jeff Bezos does not need any more money. We do. We want to buy a newspaper. Come on. We'll buy the Wall Street Journal and turn it into a beer rag. How about that? <laughs> if you guys buy enough stuff on Amazon... We will do that. We'll do that. We promise. So, thank you for your support. Okay. Ditter do do <laughs> Okay. So, we are now pouring the... Which one is Harpoon. This? This is harpoon. Okay. This is an Oktoberfest with a C, not with a K. Yeah, there are a couple different variations. The The next two that we're going to have are, are K's, but this one uh, is... We'll see if we can taste C. the C. We'll see if we can taste the C. So, 5.3% alcohol by volume, 32 IBUs. It was first brewed in 1990. Harpoon started in 1986, so it took them four years to get around to making an Oktoberfest. But, you know, oh, back in the day... In the 80s, way before Greg and I could really drink craft beer, yeah. um, there wasn't probably wasn't much point in making Oktoberfest lagers when you're an American craft brewery. You're busy making pale ales and mm-hmm. things like that. That's a, a really distinct kind of sweet aroma off of this. Excuse me? First thing I smelled was like, oh, it smells, you know, it smells more, I like the word saturated. I'm using the word saturated a lot tonight. Not quite the imperial saturation I was getting from the Victory, but some of the similar flavors, you know, this is probably about um, 65% of the Victory's type, you know, richness of Mm -hmm. aroma. Get that slight kind of... Um, fruit candy caneish smell. Getting a, that, that sniff, I got a little bit of a stinky volatile, something a little bit sulfury, maybe green beans or something like that. Give it a swirl. Hopefully that goes away like it did last time in the other beer. Something a little red school eraser. I'm not getting anything to look like that. No, I can't say I smell that. Let's switch up here. Let's see if we're smelling the same thing. Yeah, pretty close. 
Yours is a little more malty, I think. A little hmm. more... Uh, a little more carbonic, actually. Yeah. A little more zingy on the on the nose. All right, let's dive in. This is... Uh, the color is, is, a, is a deeper, sort of darker red. This one stands on the Munich malt, right? I mean, give that sip. It takes you to that white bread crust we were talking about before. Not the over-amped, sweetened version mm-hmm. that we had in the Victory, but just a good, solid Munich use. And, and I, I'm really, I like how it stands on that. I like that. That's a good use of the Munich right there. It's, it's a little, the hops are a little twangy. They're, they have, um, they're, they're going on at an interesting angle here. They're not really balancing so much as sort of... Um, Sort of fighting the malt, uh, it, it's, it's less of a meld and, and, and it's more of a contrast. I think that's an interesting way to go, but I feel like the the, the malt and the hops are fighting. The malt is, is on the outside of my mouth, and, and the hops are in, in the middle of my tongue, and they're sort of they're playing opposing parts. Hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to pick out how, how the hops are, you know. Out of out of tune, but I'm not. <coughs> the bubbles tickled my throat. It's this is it's weird. I, I've been having this trouble all night with these. I find them to be a little too sweet. A little. This one's this one is has a bit of a sweetness, but I think I'm starting. Here's another conjecture that I'm going to throw out all there. Right. I don't think this one ha- is made from as hard of water as like the Spaten was. I think the Spaten had a lot of the carbonates in there. Mm-hmm. This one tastes like a softer water. I think it might be the water chemistry that's really changing our opinion on some of these beers. I can see how that would work. It, it, it waters the the often oft unconsidered wild card well, in a lot of these things. We we, only, we probably don't talk about it enough actually yeah. in hindsight. But I mean it's it's a seasoning, right? I mean some of these chemicals, these compounds that are in the water, it acts like a seasoning. It's like salting a food or something like that. You know, so when you have a lot of carbonates, it's going to taste drier and chalky or something, you know, not always chalky. That's when you, if it tastes chalky, that's when you put too much salt, you know, like that's the equivalent of putting too much salt on your burger or something like that, right? Or you just want to put in enough to wake it up, Mm -hmm. right? And my conjecture is this one's using a lot softer yeah. water than the other ones. I mean, water chemistry is a very interesting subject. Water is a very, uh, it's a wonderful solvent. It's great that it works as it, as it is, but it, you know, how how it gets the various different malts and, and the various different flavors out does you know does have to do with how hard or soft the water mm-hmm. is, and it you know, and, and since beer is ninety seven percent water, it obviously plays a pretty distinctive role. Right. And it's not just hard to soft. There's different kinds of things yeah. that can be dissolved in there. So, It's calming down to my palate a little bit now. Starting to get more used to it. Some of the more bready aspects are coming out now. The You know how you know how uh, Sam Adams does the 
vertical, um, like the latitude 48 deconstructed and whatnot. Uh-huh. I'd love to see Boston lager brewed with water from all around the country. Why? Would, I, I mean, or something like that. Wouldn't that be neat for someone like Boston Beer who has the resources to do? Or maybe they don't, they don't have the resources. But like, this is Boston Lager with Jamaica Plain Water. This is it with Pittsburgh Water. This is it with Boulder Water. This is it with San Francisco Water. You know, like they truck in water from these different places and brew the beer, and you get a you get that deconstructed type pack, right? But you get a variety pack of the same beer made with different waters. I don't know how it, you could ensure a a a, a, a consistency. You like, truck it all back to the same brewery, but but you know the like the consistency of, of a Pittsburgh water supply might well it might change day to day. Certain places have characteristic water. Yeah, Pittsburgh was a bad example, but the places that have characteristic waters, soft water, hard water, water that are high in this, water that's high in that, you know, and make the same beer and sell that in a variety pack. Well, the question is: Would you have to? Would you necessarily have to do that from trucking in all the water, or could you just adjust, well, adjust the water chemistry as you, you like it? On- could, you could adjust the water chemistry as you like it, but that's not as good for the marketing department. <laughs> yeah, but the marketing department also has, has to pay it. You know, pay it to the bottom line, and they can't just you know shipping water from all over the place is expensive. Yes, but it'd be cool. It would be so cool. I mean, only for like <laughs> only one- for yeah, only for the beer geeks like us. We're the one percent. <laughs> And probably only like a quarter of our audience would care about that one mm. anyway. <laughs> Sorry for the everyone else who doesn't fall in the top quarter. You guys can all pretend you're in the top quarter if you care, though. So there you go. I don't know. I just thought it would be a cool because I haven't had enough opportunity to contrast different water sources. And I thought it would be just neat. Yeah. Give us a taste and see if in, and see if this surprises you when I say it. Donut. I taste a little bit glazed late in the flavor. Now that you say that, I taste a little bit of like the a glaze. Not not so much the donut, but I got a hint of glaze for real quick. There's something in the flavor that's saying mm, donut. <laughs> now, I haven't had a donut all, in, in all, I haven't had an actual donut in like a year and a half. <laughs> all the malt flavors were like dancing around, and none of them really clicked with donut. But then that glaze part came through, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll give Greg the glaze. Another thing that comes to mind is uh, some sort of cereal. I'm not sure which kind. I would have to go with, you know, Grape Nuts, you know, the barley cereal, I think. I mean, that's what comes to mind first is the Grape Nuts. The weird thing is what was coming to mind a little bit was Corn Flakes, but it's not corn. But it's the toasted aspect, I uh-huh. think. Yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 it's toasted a lot like a breakfast cereal, I think, is, is, is what mm-hmm. is the thing you can take from it. All right. Next two beers, both from Cleveland. Well, let's try Fatheads first. Fatheads Oktoberfest. 5.7% ABV. And uh, some great... Uh, information on the label here: uh, Ziggy Zaki Ziggy Zaki Hoi 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 Ziggy Zaki Ziggy Zaki Oi Hoi Oi. That's all you need to know. Uh, five points, like Jeff said, five percent percent, fourteen degree Play-Doh. 
ending that's the original or beginning gravity the ending gravity 3.6 degrees play-doh IBUs at 25 they call the color chestnut red the yeast is German 3470 if you're keeping count that's the 3470th yeast that they used in Germany hops are German pearl and Hersperkler Hersbrucker excuse me Three four since it's a four digit like that's probably a Y yeast model yeah, number. Yeah. So malt is German Pilsner, Munich Kara Munich, Kara Pils, and Black Moles. That's a pretty interesting hot or malt bill. Uh, and and I don't know if I've heard of Hersbrucker hops. Oh, I have. Probably it's the uh, you got the Hallertau and the Hallertau Middlefru and the Hersbrucker. They're they're all okay. the same general use there. This is tan. This is kind of iced tea-ish in color. No, it's red chestnut. <laughs> I don't buy that. Actually, there's a new adjective. We'll just start using red chestnut whenever it's this color. How about that? Well, another one described their color as garnet red. I think it was the harpoon. And the, or no, not garnet. What? <laughs> what the what? Oh, on this one's... Well, remember, remember the small bill. German Pilsner, Munich, Kara Munich, Kara Pils, and Black Moles. That's a... That's different. Yeah, the aroma is different. It's fascinating. I'm not sure what I'm smelling. It's a little mushroomy. Yeah. Yeah, the portobellos. That's the second time I've called a uh, Meritzen slash Vienna mushroomy. The first one was when I was talking to the guy um, from Devil's Backbone. I forget his name right now. Ah. And you th- remember, we talked about this, but you think I called his baby ugly. <laughs> And I was trying to mean it as a, a fascinating slash interesting, you know, compliment. Well, you know, if he knew that we were the show that, that analyzes with lab coats, <laughs> then he would be he'd be like, yeah, that's interesting. No, there's a lot going on in this aroma. It's, um, there's something else I'm trying to pull out there. It's, um, turmeric. Something like that. I'm I'm still stuck on the mushroom. It, it, it's, in a, it's a grilled mushroom. Yeah. I'm getting a touch of turmeric. Hmm. It's, it's really interesting. It's the it, it's the most unique mm-hmm. aroma of the night so far. Kind of want to just keep smelling it. I kind of do, and I kind of want a hamburger right now. I'd go for a portobello burger. You know, screw the meat. Mm-hmm. Tastes mushroomy too. It, it definitely carries through, but it has some of those other things. There's a little bit of like a, a beechwood smoke or something like yes. that. Yeah, there's some slightly smoky or, or sort of barbecue barbecuey character. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I take back the burger. I want I want a bratwurst or something like that. <laughs> Put a kielbasa on the grill. Uh huh. Yeah. Hmm. Some hmm. mustard sauerkraut. As soon as it hits the front of your tongue, you taste mushroom. Yes. 
and then it gets a little more it's not so much smoky but it has the the it's woody it's, it's woody it has that mm, that omshis of, of yeah. like a of a smoke or something it's not smoky at all it's fascinating it's something to talk about that's for sure it's it's way different it, it to call it an Oktoberfest is is kind of to misclassify it because it's really some kind of 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 weird new new style I think <laughs> it's 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 really different I am Unfortunately, I kind of lost for words to, to to pick it up. So, so give me some time, and hopefully, I'll be able to figure something out. What? We're doing a vine of how weird this is. Tastes like mushrooms. Anything else? And, and say and wood. And wood. There we go. There. That, that's the. Amazing power of doing a vine without having any <laughs> editing at all in your show, so you can there be really bored while we do this sort of thing. Yep. Wow, that's that's really different. I <laughs> if I was a BJCCP judge judging this as an Oktoberfest, I I would have to say no way. But <laughs> as as a beer. I find it really good. It's it's pretty crazy. It's um, yeah, yeah I like it. <laughs> it's fascinating. It is things you've never tasted before. Yeah, that that's always something we we go for is is when it's stuff that you that you know that people haven't tried before. It's it's not typical. Matt Cole is he knows how to make beer. That's for sure. Yeah. Can you imagine he, you know, he does this and he just throws this crap in there? It's like, yeah, this is our Oktoberfest. Black <laughs> Mole. <laughs> wow, that, that really distinct earthiness. Hmm. The, the hopping is just right, too. Mm hmm. It really balances very well without being lingering or bitter. It keeps those malts in check, but lets them play. I'm very impressed by this beer. Yeah. I mean, it's it just brings a whole new thing to the table. And yeah, yeah. like, forget about style. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's roughly an Oktoberfest. It's based on the style. Yeah. But it brings through so much more. And unfortunately, I'm not sure we've adequately described this so much more because people are going to think it's just mushrooms and wood. So let's see if there's anything else we can say. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sandbox. It, it it has the, these these earthy qualities of you know and and the images. Remember, I'm a visual guy. Mm-hmm. The images I'm getting in my in in my head are you know, pig pen from from uh, from peanuts, 
you know, playing in the sand uh, has a dirt cloud all around him. Uh, there's there's weird, just kind of dirty notes that all flow together to make something beautiful as opposed to something gross. But it doesn't feel like a balancing act. It doesn't feel no. like like it's delicate. It, it feels like it's kind of brute forcing uh, a really interesting and deep flavor. So... I mean, yeah, it, do you think everyone would love this? No, no. Yeah, I think think some people would order this or get this and be like, "Whoa, what's that's, that?" That's just it, they would. I think it would taste off, right? Uh-huh. I think you know, just because it's that woody, mushroomy, I could see where some people would just think it's spoiled or bad or just not a good beer. So yeah, I don't think it's for everybody. You know, I, I, I'm. You were right on the mind. We had the mind mode going because I was just about to say something about how this is probably not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's for us. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, when I saw that Fatheads had the Oktoberfest and it was Casey the Beer Distributor, I'm like, don't know what it tastes like, but I can't imagine it's going to yeah. suck. Fatheads is is one of those breweries that I think is a lot like uh, the brewery. You know, they've seemed yeah. to make a lot of great beers. Yeah, I mean, it it seriously is. It sometimes the local ones, the ones that are close to home, you you kind of maybe overlook because they're too available. But I mean, Fatheads Brewery is it's a world class brewery. I mean, they make wonderful stuff. I mean, there's the Headhunter. Yeah, you know, and then, but I mean, it's not only Headhunter. I mean, it's things like Oktoberfest. It's things like, excuse me, oh, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time thinking of the other examples, but I mean, they're just all almost all good, and they make a ton of different beers. If only they'd open the brewery in Pennsylvania instead yeah. of over in Cleveland. Well, we do have the bar here, so. Right. That was neat and weird and exciting and confusing all at the same time. That was definitely different and uh, I'm really happy to have had something that different. On to Great Lakes Oktoberfest. This is, uh, Great Lakes has been around for a while, been doing this beer for a while. 25 years, they're celebrating their Mm -hmm. 25th anniversary this year. They use a Harrington two-row base malt and Munich and Caramel 45. They are hot with the Mount Hood. So that sounds like an interesting hybrid. They use Caramel malts, which should be a no-no. Yeah. They're using a North American hot Mount Hood. So we'll see. 6.5% alcohol by volume, the highest alcohol of the night. So far, 5.2% alcohol by weight, if you are interested. Uh, 20 IVUs, 14.5 degrees Play-Doh for gravity. This one is in another one of those kind of orangish, like a dark orange color. Pull up their um, Elliot Ness 
and co- let's compare the ingredients and how they what's different because they're Elliot Ness's their Vienna Lager, uh-huh. and for people that are you know CBR experts know that that is the beer that stole my lager virginity or <laughs> so much of enjoying lagers and not being you know abused by them. Uh, it was the it was the first lager that I had that didn't have that twang, and from there I was able to you know evolve a palate that let me like. Just about everything. All right. Elliot Ness. I'm opening up the... What? Not working for you? Broken links? Yeah. The you know, the other one had a PDF. This doesn't have a PDF for it. Oh, okay. So... Well, I was just curious. If the information was handy, I would like to see... What the differences were. Sorry. Because they mentioned on their Nick label, they say, uh, this is the noble brother of the Vienna Lager. Uh, they don't say of their Vienna Lager. They just say of the Vienna Lager. So. It smells a little musty. Woody. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, almost, uh, did you say musty or musky? Because I was thinking it was a little bit like grape muskers, like just Musty, touch with of a like tea. yeast. Oh, okay. There's some maltiness there, you know, not too sweet, not too. Uh, it's definitely not a pilsnery type. Well, they don't use any pilsner malt, right? It's all Harrington and then Munich, mm-hmm. Vienna. I think I said right. Harrington Munich and and then the caramel forty five. Oh, that right, that caramel's in there. Yeah, so it definitely has a different aromas from all the other ones that have you know, um, you know, that use the the pilsner malts or things like that. The Harrington gives it a little more of uh, a bready character, um, like a. I don't want to describe. Well, according, I'm trying to figure out how to contrast it. Well, I'll tell you what it's what they say in their PDF. Okay, and, and we'll see. You know how how that contrasts. They say the the uh, Harrington Two Row is the base malt, allows color and flavor from the other specialty malts to come through, makes for very clean beer. Uh, the Munich is the traditional German malt for Oktoberfest, provides malty aroma and full bodied flavor, and the Caramel Forty Five contributes to amber color provides complexity. I like that list because it doesn't really, it, it's mm-hmm. not really marketing speak. They're trying right. to just give mm-hmm. you an idea of what each one does. Right. So yeah, I guess it does give it a pretty, pretty, uh, it doesn't put too much on the palate. Or, or like um, when I said palate that time, I actually meant on the painter's palate, right? Yeah. You know, it, where it's, it's kind of a, it's a more muted tone and it, it doesn't overpower. And it, it's a, it is a nice base because um, the Munich kind of sits on top of that, rides right. on it, and then the hoppiness too. Not to see any, you know, undue sweetness from or caramel flavors from the caramel. So maybe they just add a, just a pinch to get the flavor or the color where they want it. It's sort of for those electrical engineers out there. It's sort of your carrier signal, right? And then your other stuff is, <laughs> is modulation based on that carrier signal. But there's there's a base there's there's a there's an underlying tone mm-hmm. that the Harrington sets. You no, know, this one. Even after the nutso one that we had from Fatheads just a few minutes ago, this one is really hitting home. This one's a good drinker, Ooh, good flavors. Yeah. This one's, you know, it, it, 
it's weird because the BGCP says no caramel, but I, but I've said you know I said in the beginning I I like a caramelly I like a more uh, you know a slightly I wouldn't say sweeter is, is is necessarily the right term, but I like something that that has a little bit of a uh, a burnt sugar character of uh, that that has. I wouldn't go as far as this one being caramelly so much. I mean, it doesn't have that brown ale type. No, no, it's, it's it. not. It, it, it's. So. It's not like you know full on caramelization, but mm-hmm. it it has some really interesting malt stuff that 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 gets close. That it's beyond toasty. Mm-hmm. It's it's more Maillardy. You know, it it has okay. yeah. you know it, it has stuff that means that it it it, it was it, it's been left on the grill longer than just to give it a, a simple toast. That's really good. Using Mount Hood is a so. Here's another thing they explain. They uh, again. It, I, I'll read this completely because I feel you know it's sort of it's it's their intention, but it doesn't necessarily say that this is what they accomplish. It's how they want to use it. Mm-hmm. The Mount Hood say provide a subtle, spicy, and earthy aromas used sparingly since malt is main ingredient and flavor profile. I actually I like the use of hops here. It's it really contributes very little to the overall flavor of the beer less so than almost any of the other ones but it does provide just enough of a balancing note yeah I'm trying to figure out what else to say about this one because it's a little more subdued you know, there's not a ton of flavors, you know, bouncing yeah. around your mouth, like coming right to your head saying, yeah, yeah, talk about this, talk about that. You do get it. I mean, we just had a wacky beer and now we're having a beer that's... If anything, and this is going to sound like an insult, but I don't mean it in an insulting way, but I'm getting a touch, just a tiny bit of banana. You know what I'm thinking? Bananas Foster. <laughs> Take it another step, huh? Catch it on fire. Put it on fire, have, you know, caramel sauce with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yummy. If just one of the sips, it came across a little banana-y. And uh, just as an accent, not as a off flavor or anything like that. That's good. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, banana is, is, a, is, is an interesting observation there. Because it's not... It's not the same kind of banana you get from a heifer. It's sort of mm-hmm. the aftertaste of the banana, a little bit of just the, the sugar from that comes from the banana. Okay. Not not so much the esters. Well, it's been a long night, but we got one more beer. We do. We have a, a not an Oktoberfest, but we wanted we wanted to do this one. This week, because it is just coming out tomorrow, more or less, even though I bought it four days ago. Um, this is Guinness Red Harvest Stout, a smooth and alluring seasonal. It's it's nitrogenated, has a uh, has one of their things inside of ping it. Ping pong ball in it. Yeah. So you hear it go. And now we're going to pour it in the glasses. They call it a stout still, even though it is not super dark. 
So this is, the, you said they're alternative to a pumpkin beer? Their press release was talking about, uh, I sent you the link there for it. Um, they're saying instead of, you know, having another pumpkin beer, try the Guinness Red Harvest Stout. Picked it up in the, the beer club for work. It's very low risk when you only got one of these things. So it pours with the, the typical Guinness nitro dropping, even though I don't really see it falling so much. We're drinking out of snifters, so it's probably not the perfect yeah. glass for the falling cascading nitro bubble thingy. Uh, the thick, creamy head, as you would expect. They hold it, if you hold it just straight up at eye level, it looks really dark brown. You hold it up at the light, you can see some... Uh, uh, let's call that red chestnut highlights. It's it's a lot redder <laughs> and darker than than the whichever beer was claiming to be red chestnut. Slightly roasty on the aroma. It's hard to get aroma through that big nitrogen haze mm-hmm. that you know that, that that gets on the top of these. <laughs> Look at the lacing on the side of the glass there, just like yeah. thick whipped cream. <laughs> With these, with these tiny nitrogen bubbles, it just forms a real kind of layer. Mm-hmm. It's my little something. It's just too faint to figure out what it is. Yeah. It's not just the... It doesn't smell like Guinness. There's something more than Guinness. Let me try I never to thought it Guinness out. was a very alive beer in terms of no. aroma anyway. It had a very... I mean, its roastiness was very... How do I put it? It's muted. It's muted, but it's also not... It's a little more ashen. You know, it's a little more... Okay, yeah, I can see that. ...acrid than, than roasty. You know, it's very towards the really burnt side of it, I would find. Talking about Guinness Pub Draft, not so much Guinness 4 and Extra Stout or anything like that. Very creamy, you know, typical Guinness mouthfeel. There's a little bit, there's a little bit of flavor in there. That um, <laughs> it's a little bit of flavor. A little bit of flavor. Is, no, that is a, that is the right description. There's a little bit of flavor in there. There's a little bit of good flavor in there. No, there's a little bit of flavor in there. It's very aqueous. It, it mm-hmm. feels. I mean, these other things we had, you know, even the, the lightest one had a lot of flavor going for. In terms of, you know, we talked about how beer is 97% water. This tastes like it. This tastes like water with a, with a few additions to it, as opposed to the other beers, which really tasted like, you know... Yeah, I mean, on the second sip, it. I'm getting to the point where it's like... be hard, like If I was doing this side-by-side with Guinness Pub Draft, you know, it's like, what's the difference, you know? Maybe if you do them side-by-side, you'd tell the difference, but really... It's the first, the smell, the first sip, I could taste something that wasn't just Guinness. It was a little more of the red harvest, whatever that means. But, you know, third sip in, I'm just tasting the nitro beer from Diego, you know, that's what I'm tasting. It doesn't have a great deal of character to it. The flavors are vaguely, br- vaguely does- nutty, something kind of approaching a, a roasty almond. Yeah, that's good. That, that's kind of what I was tasting before, but can't taste now. Yeah. Um, however, 
this does bring me back to you know the first beer that I drank and liked. Yeah, you know it's there's, so there's a soft spot. You know when I was 18 years old and I had my first Guinness, you know like oh beer isn't the shit that my grandpa and my mm. dad drink. Um, so there's a little bit of, of reminiscence no, beer here. Beer is this kind of shit. <laughs> no, this isn't shit. This is there's a place for this. I mean not not so much for you and me, but there's a place for this. It's. It'll let people know that beer doesn't taste fizzy yellow and bland. Maybe, but, you know... No, it's, it's dark and creamy and bland, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just... This was my gateway. Stop being a bitch about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. This was... In Guinness, I don't have the same in, uh, level of appreciation for Guinness as you do, because Guinness was not my gateway. My gateway had probably a more of a... Uh, of a... Think I think for Newcastle Brown would be my mm-hmm. example, but I don't find Newcastle Brown very good anymore either. No. So I, I, you know, I I I don't feel like defending it, even though it was my gateway. And I feel like this is just this is Blue Moon could have been my gateway, but I didn't like it. Um, yeah, I'm almost sad to say that it's way better than this. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say that you know when I was about the same age or a little bit older even, you know, I had a blue moon. I liked the first sip. I remember it was very clear. I liked the first sip, but then second, third sip, I got this really awful aftertaste. You know, it was from the weed or whatever. You know, but it just I just could not deal with it, and I couldn't even finish the bottle. And you know, but that was way before I. Uh, I, I believe at that point I knew I liked Guinness. And I'm like, oh, you know, I was kind of interested that Blue Moon was, I don't think, I, you know, I absolutely didn't know the term craft beer, mm-hmm. but I, uh, you know. Now, I haven't had it in a while, but I don't want to totally crap on Guinness because I believe that their export stout is pretty good from what I remember. It's their non-nitrogenated mm-hmm. yeah. uh, export well, they have, stout. They have Guinness extra stout and they have Guinness foreign export. Right. Um, I almost bought a case of foreign export but it was been sitting at the beer distributor at warehouse temperatures mm-hmm. for like a year and a half and I'm like uh, no I'll buy it for five dollars <laughs> exactly <laughs> for a case um, so I still have yet to uh, get a good good foreign I've never had foreign export so but again you know I said earlier in the show I don't like nitrogenated beers that much and this is just Mm-hmm. Going on, you know, the Smithfields and the, all the other ones. Smithix. Smithix, whatever. Boddington's. <laughs> yeah, Boddington's. I, I just don't, I don't go for it. I, I feel that the carbonation, you know, e- either you have some sort of, you know, rudimentary tiny carbonation from a cask. Even cask stuff, I'm not, I'm not super sold on cask. <laughs> I like a cast beer occasionally, but I'm it always feel like, like this, huh? I always feel like I'm missing something. I always feel like I'm missing some dimension that the carbonation adds to it. I mean, it's like you know, it, it, it's like a flat champagne. A champagne can be very delicious, but if it's flat, is it as delicious? I, 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 I see your point of view. But I mean, there are you know, Casper can be good. It's good in a different way. Yeah, it, it's it's a different it's a different thing. It's a different yeah. thing. You have to sort of pre- mentally prepare for it. I I'm not saying you know, we went to Firkins Fest was was pretty much all 
you know, cask stuff. Well, and there is some good... By definition, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there is some really good stuff there. So it's not like a, you know, I'm against cask mm-hmm. in general. But, uh, you know, if I had my choice, if I had my druthers, they, they would all be, you know, carbonated... I th- you know I think nitro tap should all be banned right I mean I don't yeah. think I've only had a few beers probably less than ten that managed to be like oh it's still good on nitro right and then most of them are like oh it's just washed out in bland you know like oak barrel stout from Old Dominion Brewing remember they had that on nitro and it just mm-hmm. oh it's a domestic Guinness woohoo yeah. So I say that I'm being very disparaging of Guinness, but you know, part of me is like really going back to my roots and like I can see, and I, I, I think it's a wonderful gateway, and I think people can enjoy it, and if you like, if you like the nitro beers, if you like Guinness pub draft, try the Red Harvest. Um, I mean, I know good breweries get- have tried to do some nitro stuff because I mean it it it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's harder to to make something interesting, I think, in nitro and and three floors does stuff in nitro, yeah. And but I've never had one that I've really dug from from any mm-hmm. brewery. So it's not just Guinness's fault, or at least you know I wouldn't blame it on Guinness. And again, like I said, I I think that their export stout, not their extra stout, the export stout is good. Have you had it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never had it. Extra Stout's the one that comes in the, you know, bottles with the yellow labels. Export Stout has, uh, what's it look like? It looks like, uh, I forget. Label's different, though. But the yellow and white label is the Extra Stout. Maybe it is the Extra Stout that I'm thinking of. Probably. Export Stout wasn't available here till yeah. very long ago. Yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty decent beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it has hard competition. You know, yeah. and the price point's a little bit higher, so yeah. I don't find it in my fridge almost ever. But I'm happy to have one can of Red Harvest because uh, it takes me back to my roots. All Even right, though it's so. it's inoffensive and and not super flavorful, it's uh it's the first good beer that I ever drank, more or less. You know what that means? Greg's trying to break my Spiegel glasses with a pen. It's Rankin time. Okay, so um, the, you turn these all my way, so I think that's your your subtle indication that Greg gets your turn. So, all right, uh, my f- Red Harvest is is my last best beer of the night. Is <laughs> is is my opposite of best beer of the night. Just you know, it, it, first of all. I'm not a nitro fan. Second of all, I think it really was aqueous and 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 didn't have a lot of flavor to it. You didn't read the press release, did you? No. You would have been brainwashed if you had read the press release. Maybe. I'm just teasing. It, it, you know, some of the flavors are developing a little bit more, but it also, I mean, it, it faced some pretty tough competition all around. Oh, so. sure. Absolutely. So I'll give it up. Okay. Uh, let me try to remember each of these different Oktoberfests that we had. Yeah. Start. I mean, I think it's easier to start with your favorites, you know. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. So let me let me jump to number one. Uh, my number one beer is is weirdly. Oh, uh, do I go for the one that's I think the best sort of Oktoberfest, or the one that go for your favorite beer? The the fat has. That was just really unique and interesting, and crazy 
and mushroomy. <laughs> yeah. And and what the hell is this? And God, I love it. I want more. So that's always a good sign. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, if if you're interested in beers that will give you, you know, a, a different perspective than you've had before, that that's the one to get. My, I think the best pure Oktoberfest in Nighty is the Great Lakes. I uh, really enjoyed the the flavor combinations there. I liked the, you know, I like the bit of Maillard stuff that mm-hmm. comes out that gets close to caramel without actually hitting it, uh, you know, it, it, and without being sort of buttery and diacetally. So now it, it's it's slightly harder to to get it because I'm it's a lot of beers that, mm-hmm. and we we don't do a, a very adequate job of writing down our notes for our tasting we can go back and listen right <laughs> and then rank uh I'm going to hmm, yeah go back to the bottom of the list now I, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering just remembering which All ones right, were which. So the well, you remember the victory, right? It was the double right? Okay, double Oktoberfest. Right. The Spaten had the most of the Pilsner, you know, cooked corn right, type okay, character to okay. it. Which one was the one that was creamy? That was the Blue Point, right? I believe yes, so. yeah. The Blue Point was the one that was creamy. And then the harpoon was smack dab in the middle of this whole pack, I think. But uh, but the harpoon had something going against it, uh, and I forget exactly what it was. Um, rankings are only based on our faulty yes, recollection of what happened yes. in forty five minutes ago. <laughs> because something is telling me. In the back of my mind, no, that, that the harpoon wasn't as good as the other ones. I'm going to put that as number six. Uh, if you li- go back and listen, and I and I rank this wrong, you know, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it it's hard to remember with with six different fairly. It's hard to distinguish. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I I would say the Spaten is number f- uh, five. It it had you know sort of traditional German. I I think it might have been better if it were fresher and and not imported. Uh, it just uh, it, it felt a little flat. So then uh, for number four, I'm going to go with the Blue Point. I think the creaminess w- 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 was a nice touch, but uh, but the victory had. A, a nice quality, even with the you know, with sort of the over Americanized stuff. I can appreciate that being an American, being an ugly mm-hmm. American. You know, <laughs> it works. It, we we love bold flavor and victory delivered on that response. So there you go. That's my uh, somewhat <laughs> some somewhat uh, impromptu ranking. All right, so I will start from the top, and I'm going to put the Great Lakes in front. Um, just really drinkable, really well done. Oktoberfest, I dig it. Right behind it, I'm going to put the Fatheads. The reason I put the Fatheads second, where Greg put it first, is it's it's a wonderful beer. You should try it. It's just the, the slightest bit 
curiosity, right? Because it had all these new things we've never tasted before. And while I liked it a lot, it's not for everybody, first off. Right. And um, I liked it. I loved it. I I dare say I loved it. But I'm just going to put the Great Lakes because the Great Lakes was just all around. It was an all-star, right? It was just well-rounded and and classic and all that great stuff. Then number three, let's roll up the... I'm going to put the... Hmm. See, this is where it hurts me to like make someone number four. I'm gonna put the blue point number three. I liked the the mouthfeel thing that they did. The you know, we talked about it being like a slight bit odie or whatnot. That works for me. I'm gonna put the victory number four. It was a little too potent, a little too a little imperial, and. Um, just the malts were a little big for me. Um, however, I like this a lot better than I remember liking it last time, where maybe they changed it, maybe I changed. Probably I changed, but um, the hops are a lot more in balance to me this time. Um, harpoon, I'm having a hard time remembering what harpoon tastes like. I remember the spot. Yeah. Um... Mm, I don't know. I'm going to kind of have to wash out here and... Um, well, here, here's what I think. If it's not that memorable, then how good could it have been? Well, I remember certain things in the Spaten that were a little little DMSE, right? And, yeah. And I'm wondering... The harpoon, more which, diacetyl, I think. And, yeah. and that. And the harpoon didn't have any ill memories either, right? I'll put the harpoon next, number yeah. five. Spotten. Uh, see, now I, I, I... What do I do with the Red Harvest here? The uh, I know exactly yeah. what you do with the Red Harvest. <laughs> okay. Spotten number six and Red Harvest number seven, but only by a pinch. Um, but that's that's just that's just reminiscence. That's, that's, you know, the warm, soft spot I have in my heart for this nitro flavor getting me to where I am today. Wait, you you putting it last is just reminiscence? Well, just because it's only <laughs> a pinch behind where you put it like a mile behind. Oh, okay. Alright. That's why. I see what you're saying. Alright, fair enough. So. Thus ends another Craft Beer Radio Sorry experience. for the um, rambling <laughs> rankings. <laughs> and a long show. We're at um, 82 minutes, Greg. <laughs> Hope you like long shows. All right, thank you everybody for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio is released <laughs> under the Creative Commons license. Visit our website to find out what that means. I like Reladio. I think that <laughs> Craft Beer Radio. It's, it's, it's a very Reladio show. You yes, know, it, it's are. a relatable show <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> on the internet radio, yes. Right. Um, you can contact us. We have that email thing, beer at craftbeerradio.com. We are on Twitter. I am at Jeff Bear. He is at CBR Greg. We have at Craft Beer Radio, of course. Facebook, The Craft Beer Radio, Google Plus, Craft Beer Radio. That's about it. Uh, we're not on Orgit anymore because we're not Brazilian. So uh, I want to do a shout out to... Uh Tonight's beer is and Ed Harrich and Patrick O'Brothy on 
on Twitter. They uh, they all knew the secret word from the hot picking from from no not no? from the show before the hot picking show oh. th- or was it might have been the hot picking show but they knew the secret word. So I want to give a shout out to you guys. Thanks for well and don't forget about Terry who listened to every episode of Craft Beer Radio well, in that, two months. That requires much more than a shout out. That requires some sort of like compensation. <laughs> 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 we have a guy who emailed us. He went through every episode, all 258 shows in two months. He said three to four months or something like that. So, no, I, in I the email, he said You're two. compressing the time. No. no, I think you're messing no. up. No. Anyway, I want to talk to him to see what eight years of my life sounds like compressed <laughs> into two months because that, that that's just fascinating research right there. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're, we're getting into the post-show topic. So, we, again, we appreciate your stuff. Creative Commons license. Uh, Already said it. We're good. Roll this out. You can roll some music if you want. I Otherwise, don't have any music queued up. So I'll just... 